Come on, let's check, 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 check. Come on, let's give them. There we go. I like that volume. Let's give them some praise this morning. Come on. Is anyone alive? I don't know about you, but when I watch that, something stirs on the inside of me saying there's more to this whole Christian thing than just coming to some Chuck E. Cheese country club church where we gather together and we just sing three fast songs, two slow songs, have a 20-minute message, a five-minute altar call. But there is a purpose for revival. There is a purpose for the fire. There is a purpose for the anointing. There is a reason why we shout. There is a reason why we praise. There is a reason why we dance. Billy, I know there's people this whole week saying, man, that preacher up there, does he have to shout that way? Does he have to yell that way? Does he have to be excited that way? Does, does Eddie have to shout in their team screaming and dancing? See, the problem is when you begin to judge someone when you don't know, there is is a story behind our praise. There is a story behind our worship. There's a reason why I shout this way. There's a reason why I praise this way. I spent years as an atheist, not being able to worship, not being able to dance, being bound by religion, be bound by complacency. And I came, oh, I feel like preaching this morning, whether you're awake or not. I came into a place like this, and the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of God. He broke my shackles. He broke my chains. Is there anyone this morning in this Catholic church, I mean this Pentecostal church, that say, I'm free to worship. I'm free to praise. I'm tired of just saying I'm free. I actually want to be free. The reality is you don't have to shout. You don't have to praise. You don't have to worship. You could stay where you've been with no passion, with no desire, with no, keep the mic up, don't turn it down, with no hunger, but I'm here today saying, God, what happens to America if we don't see revival? What happens to America if we stay complacent, if we stay apathetic, if we don't get more radical, if we don't get more passionate? I look back and go, man, there's not one person in this room that went up to the DJ at the party or at the club and said, DJ, would you turn the mic down? DJ, would you turn the volume down? Some of you were in front of those speakers with your hair blowing because the bass was so loud. And when it was for darkness, we had no problem yelling. When it's for a bunch of grown men, I'm about to preach in the Holy Ghost this morning. When there's a bunch of grown men wearing tight pants, chasing after a piece of pigskin, throwing it through a goal or throw, running through, through a touchdown. You have no problem worshiping. You have no problem shouting. But then we come to church and you go, it doesn't take all that. Friend, in the hour that we are living in, it does take all that. In the days that we are living in, it takes a radical worship, a radical praise. You want radical breakthrough, but you want to live normal. The American dream is the enemy of the cross. We have made a on-sale Jesus, a discounted gospel where you could have the same benefits but not pay the price. So that's why our churches have to advertise. 
Come to our church. We advertise like we're Walmart. We have the cheapest toothpaste. We have the cheapest toilet paper. We have the cheapest groceries. Come to our church. Our church is cheaper than that church. That's why you bounce from church to church looking for somewhere that is easy and that is convenient. Go look at every mega, mega church in America. The bigger they get, the smaller the message gets. The bigger they get, the easier the message gets. We are filling up churches with goats, and we're trying to get them, Eddie, to act like sheep. And then we get mad when they don't act like sheep. When they're not sheep, they're goats. It doesn't matter how hard a goat tries, unless it becomes a new creature, it will never be a sheep. And so God has to raise up a movement where God says, I'm tired of the people in my house not treating me with honor. God is not Jehovah Santa Claus or Jehovah Geico car insurance. He is almighty Yahweh. And you're going to have to choose that I'm not going to begin to change the scripture to try to make it fit into my life. I'm going to begin to change my life to make it fit in the scripture. I am tired of twisting and manipulating the word of God to where it's of ill effect. Jesus came and said the problem with the church and the reason they're not walking in power, they're not walking in supernatural authority, they're not walking with spiritual life is because they are too traditional for me to even move. You don't even know why you are the way that you are. We don't live in a thinking generation. We live in a stupid generation. God told me a couple months ago, he said, we got too many dumb Christians in the church. D-U-M-B, Eddie, dumb. Not D-U, not in some, you're like, oh, he's going to, no. That's literally what he told me. I go, what do you mean? He goes, when I came to the young boy who could not talk and could not speak, he had a dumb spirit in him. I literally translate, cast out that dumb and deaf spirit. The spirit caused him not to hear and not to speak. And we have an entire generation in the church that is not hearing the word of the Lord and definitely isn't speaking the word of the Lord. And God says, I want to break off that dumb spirit off the church where we have ears in the spirit and we have, if you're not offending yet, I promise you will. And we have a word to preach to this nation. This nation is in desperate need not to hear about your best car now, your best life now, or your best blessing. I don't need another blessing. I need to die to self to break off the religion. We're going after it. To break off the tradition and to say maybe I am the way that I am because I I'm listening to someone that has no passion. Pastors tell me, oh, you'll settle down. Same thing, Billy. I mean, when you, Billy, your message was life-changing. I was texting my wife, all my friends, and I'm like, this that was literally one of the most powerful messages I've heard in eight years. And Eddie knows we've been in a lot of services. We go to meetings eight, nine times a week sometimes. And I'm telling you, when you get the word of the Lord like that, and me and Nino were driving home, you said, you know, I said, you know what Nino said, you know what was best about Billy's message? He said, it proved to us that we are right on track. A man that spends hours in prayer hearing from God, and his message was right in line with what God is speaking. There is a central theme happening in the church. The mega churches that don't have ears, they're not preaching it, they're not hearing it. But here is the theme. It is time to shut down business as usual. We are living in an end time hour. An Isaiah 59 moment where God says, I looked for somebody and couldn't find anybody. God is searching the church, saying who has the passion and who has the fire and who has the desperation to say, I'm done with
with boring religion. Religion is boring. But when the Spirit of God, it shows up in a place, there is a fire that gets shut up in your bones that even if I don't want to shout, I just got to let it out. Even if I don't want to worship, let me give you a prophetic word. God is getting ready to pour out without measure upon a people without mixture. He's looking for those that aren't mixed in with culture. I'm going to say that one more time so you could tweet it. God is getting ready to pour out without measure a people without mixture. He's looking for a holy bride. He goes, I want to come back and marry a bride, not a prostitute. You wouldn't marry a prostitute. Why would God? He looked at Israel and said, you know who could learn from you? And they're thinking, the world could learn from us. We have, he goes, you know who could learn from you? A professional prostitute. A professional prostitute. He goes, because every time any new doctrine passes by, you're sleeping in bed with false doctrine, with false religion. We have made a generation that is looking for the next sugar high, as Billy said, gospel. The next discounted Jesus. How can I get all the benefits of miracles? How could I get spiritual life and not actually have to lay anything down? Billy, I was so frustrated recently. I was looking at this mega church, and they just built a new property, and I was, you know, sitting there jealous watching the video, and I'm sitting there, and I was so amazed because they made a building with chairs that weren't movable, and I'm thinking, well, that's not a good idea because what if revival breaks out and you can't move your chairs? They're, the, you know, the theater chairs because that's really what the church is, so we might as well make our churches look like theaters since everyone's treating the church like Broadway. No one's on the narrow road. You'll get that on the car ride home. We have made a Broadway type of church. We put stages, and I'm nothing against it. We run church the same way y'all run it here. But the problem is when we make stages and put people on them, and we get up here and start ministering, and you walk in and you see this nice, beautiful stage and light, you'll start subconsciously thinking that we're here to put on a show for you. You'll start thinking we're here to perform to you, not realizing you are not our goal. Our goal is not to make you comfortable. Our goal is to make him comfortable. We are to be a resting place, the audience of one. We are to be a place where the presence of God could manifest so strong that people can leave the same. See, the devil does not mind our Pentecostalism and our churchianity. He doesn't mind if you speak in Spanish, English, tongues, Mexican, Chinese. It doesn't matter. He minds that you actually change. And when you have a discounted Jesus, you have a discounted breakthrough. You have a discounted deliverance. You have discounted miracles. Miracles that look like God, but they're counterfeit miracles. They're counterfeit deliverances. They're counterfeit conversions. And they might look like the real deal, but they're not the real deal. Like the same, listen, I saw people wearing Yeezys, Eddie, and I'm thinking, you know, people tell me I need to be cooler. So I'm like, I'm not cool. I wear these button-ups, same ones every time. I probably had this one for four years and same shoes. I just keep recycling them. And I'm thinking, I need to get hip. I can't afford Yeezys. They're like $1,500. So I went on Amazon, $19. And they look just like Yeezys. They're called, and literally, Eddie, they're called Korean walking shoes. And they look identical. You'd never be able to tell the difference. And I'm out. I'm thinking I'm all cool. I'm preaching in them. I'm traveling. I'm out the mall. And young guys are always coming to me. Oh, my gosh, those are such sick Yeezys. Everyone's convinced. And I'm thinking... 
I don't have the heart to lie to them and make them think it's the real thing. See, a lot of you are lying to people, making it look like you have the real thing, making it look like you have the true version. And all of a sudden they're going, look, I bought them on sale. They're $19 on Amazon. They're not the real thing. And you know what? I was wearing those. I was so excited. And like a couple weeks went by and they started tearing. They started ripping. The color started changing on them. And I had a friend that had the real ones. And I'm thinking, he's been wearing them for two years. And mine haven't lasted two weeks. Here's the difference. Mine were a counterfeit version. See, from the outside it looked like the real thing. You'd never tell the difference until you started walking them. See, when you begin to walk this thing out and you begin to realize, wait a minute, I wasn't even a believer. I don't even know miracles. I don't even know about signs and wonders. That's why when pastors and leaders try to tell me, you just need to settle down, I tell them, here's the deal. I don't want to settle down because then I'll be like you. And I don't want to be like you because when sick people get around you, they don't get healed. When the dead get around you, they don't get raised. When demon-possessed believers get around you, they don't get delivered. See, but I want to be a person so full and Acts 4.13 anointing. They were unskilled. They were uneducated. But they marveled at this one thing, that they had been with Jesus. They didn't have to post it on Facebook. They didn't have to tell anybody. They saw them and knew what do people see when they get around you. I can get around some of you in Cadell. You've been with Netflix. You've been with your girlfriend. You've been with Instagram. 40 hours you'll work for your boss and you don't show up to prayer. Where are we really in the church? And you're on time to your job. You know in California, if you miss three days late, if you're late three times by law, in California, they are allowed to fire you if you're late three times. If that was how we ran it in the church, our churches would be empty with people because we do not put a priority on the presence of God. We put a priority on our family. We put God last and then wonder why God doesn't bless our dysfunction, why he doesn't bless our compromise. God, does ne God will never bless sin. It doesn't matter how pretty we make it. And we have gotten so casual with the presence of God that people don't even feel that piercing conviction. Jesus said, I am the rock of offense. I'm the most offensive person in human history. Why? Because everything I'm preaching, it goes against what you've been taught outside the church. It goes against what you knew. And if we honestly sit here as adults, because we all are, and we really believe that Jesus came to earth, wrapped himself out of eternity into human humanity, was born of a virgin, literally had to listen to his parents. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph having to spank Jesus? I don't want to do it. You do it. I can't spank God. I mean, they raised Jesus. He waits 30 years to reveal himself to humanity. And if you think he did all of that so we could do this, Jesus comes to the 12 disciples, goes, follow me. And they go, where are we going? Well, Matthew, you're great at keys, so you're going to play the keys. John, you're a great speaker, so you're going to be the pastor. Um, Simon, you're going to play the drums because you got great rhythm. I saw the way you were bobbing your head when we were praying for people. So we're going to, and we're, you know, and this is what I want you to leave everything, okay? What are we leaving everything for? Okay, what we're going to do is on every Sunday morning for about an hour, we'll probably start around 11, end around 1230 if we're radical, and we're going to have you come, and we're going to put on a service, and we're going to invite everyone from around Galilee and around Jerusalem, and we're going to have a service. We're going to get them all together. We're going to do it for about an hour 
and a half, then we're going to invite all of them to, inv to have them invite me into their heart. Does that sound great? Okay, well, what do we do on Monday? What do we do on Tuesday? What do we do on Wednesday? Oh, we're not going to do nothing. We're going to go get regular jobs and live like everybody else. But I'm asking you to walk away from everything, to follow me and only do an hour and a half once a week. There's no one in their right mind that would lay it all down for that. Yet we have preached an American church on sale discounted Jesus that says you could come to church, lay everything down. That's why young people aren't giving up their drugs. They're not giving up their alcohol because we're not giving them something greater. The church is holding back the supernatural from this generation. That's why they have to turn to Harry Potter. They have to turn to Twilight. They have to turn to Ouija board. The world was never meant to pioneer the supernatural. God is raising up a supernatural church that says, wait a minute. We are tired of being casual about the presence of God. We are tired of being casual about the anointing. We are tired of being casual about his presence. How, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that you could spend four hours a day on this, and then we ask you to come to prayer, and you don't show up. But let's bring out big name Yuhu speaker. And what happens? We can't, we don't have room to put nobody. When's the last time we had a prayer meeting that was lined outside the building? Tell me, show me one place where I could read where someone wasn't preaching, a mega church, and they said, man, we're having this prayer meeting and people are lined around the building. I'll tell you why that hasn't happened and you haven't read about it is because God is not popular in the church. Man is popular. People don't really want the presence of God. You ask, do you talk about that? They prayed for Jesus to come. He showed up, cast demons out of a guy. And the saddest verse to me in the entire Bible, it says, and the city gathered and begged Jesus to leave. We are making churches where when he really shows up, we realize that he's not Jehovah Santa Claus. He's not Jehovah Burger King. Have it your way. And we don't really want the God we're praying for. We have a picture of the God we want. People go, oh, you preach up there. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus doesn't care. He loves me. He cares. He's nice. He's this. I'm thinking, you're right. The Jesus I'm preaching about is not your Jesus. Your Jesus is a mamsy, pamsy, daisy, rainbow banner who's coming back to do nothing. The Jesus that I'm serving He's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah with an iron scepter, robes dripping in blood of his enemies. And there is a wife of the Holy Ghost this morning. I wish my wife was here to take notes from me. There is a fire that is raising up. There is an army that is being prepared. And if we're not careful, we may be his enemy when he shows up. God told me a couple years ago, what happens when I come back and the American church realizes I'm the one they're, I'm come, they're the ones I'm coming to make war against? doesn't matter how we make, how much makeup we put on, how much plastic surgery the church has gotten. We have gotten every plastic surgery you could possibly get to try to look like what the Bible says we are to look like. But it's not going to take plastic surgery. I'm telling you, the religion and the Christianity that we have in America is more plastic and synthetic than the lawn chair in my backyard. We need a Christianity that is so raw, that is so real, 
that when people hear us preach, they go, man, it was almost as if it was God himself that was speaking in my life. Friend, do you know how to get over your game addiction? Do you know how to get over your Fortnite addiction? This is not a joke this morning. This is not a video game. You don't respawn in this life when you die. This is one opportunity. I got one shot to lay everything down and to come to an altar and say, God, I'm tired of being a watered-down Kool-Aid Jesus. We have turned the blood of Jesus into fruit punch because it tastes better to the masses. But I need a people that will get back to preaching on the blood of Jesus. It is only the blood of Jesus that washes sin. It is only the blood of Jesus that breaks demonic powers. And if we preach the blood, we also preach suffering. Billy said, man, our biggest, two weeks ago, over 200 people, and someone posted a video, and I regret watching it because I didn't know what it was. 200 Christians in Africa got drugged out of their out of their villages, women and children, and got hacked to death with machetes. Some of them got shot. There was a video I watched. They got lined up. Kids and mothers got lined up and shot. And they paid a massive price, a massive price to glorify the gospel. This is what they're going through two weeks ago. And do you know our greatest issue last weekend? It was that our Netflix wouldn't connect to our Wi-Fi. And we're going, man, I'm just really suffering because I can't watch the ninth season of the same show and the same addiction I've had. We are living in a counterfeit, a gospel of delusion. We are a delusional people that don't pray for our family, that don't pray for our nation, and somehow think that God's going to move outside his will. Friend, let me tell you, Jesus already came to the earth, and he did everything he plans to do, and he sent not the doer, but he sent the helper. His job is not to do it for you. You're going to have to begin to participate. You're going to have to begin to get uncomfortable and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to wait for Jesus to drop a gold brick or wake up with feathers in my mouth. I know right now because the word says that it is my call. People go, I just got to pray about whether I should come to prayer. Like we're having a prayer meeting Friday night all night. They're like, okay, I'll pray about it. You're going to pray about coming to prayer? That's what's stopping the church. We have to pray about before we do stuff that's already in the word of God. I tell people all the time, you didn't pray about going to parties. You didn't ask the devil, should I go? You don't have to ask the devil when he speaks to you. Why do you always have to ask God? You go to McDonald's every day and God never spoke that to you. Yet the moment we see someone crutches, well, God, if you speak, I'll go pray for them. God goes, I did speak 2,000 years ago. And you know what? I'm so bad. I didn't just speak. I knew you weren't going to listen. I wrote it down so that you could read it. So you don't need confirmation to give to an orphanage. Come on. I'm going to take up an offering right there. You don't need confirmation to show up to prayer. You don't need confirmation to witness to your family. You don't need confirmation to be a part of a church. You just need ears that hear and an obedient spirit that says, I'm tired of being so casual and adding God to all my other idols. The same thing the Philistine did. Let's bring the ark and add it with all our other idols. And you know the Bible says the next day every idol was on its face. From there is no idol in this world that could stand in the presence of God. When the ark shows up, every idol has to bow. There's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall I'll confess. So here's your shot. You bow now or bow later. 
I tell atheists, I went, went, went to you, you're going to bow now or bow later. I'd rather bow when I get to before I bow when I have to. Because if you keep thinking you can push God off like a science project and deal with it the night before it's due, friend, there is a real man coming to the earth with blood dripping down his robes, a fierce warrior, a general, and there's going to be a blood shed like America and the earth has never seen. Miles of blood will run through our cities, and the only hope will be a vibrant, a church that is prepared in the greatest hour of history. God is preparing forerunners that are going out preaching the word and calling the church back to the place of holiness, calling the church back to the place of fasting, saying we're getting casual with the lion. I was reading an article not too long ago. Another guy, I get fascinated by these guys who get lions and they tame the lions and they train the lions and they eat breakfast with the lions and they fall in love. You see them on Facebook and they're the lions there and they're, they're putting on a show, getting it to jump through hoops, kind of like what we do with God. And they start getting casual and then months go by and there's another article that comes out and it shows that guy's memorial and they say, oh yeah, the guy, the lion tamer who thought the lion was his best friend. I was watching an interview one time with one of these guys and he's like, oh yeah, this lion's my best friend. He eats with me. And I'm thinking, friend, it does not matter how sophisticated you think you are. You might, you got to be careful because the lion was never meant to be tamed. It was never an animal that was meant to be a circus animal. It was meant to be out in the wild running the kingdom. It's They call the king of the, of the kingdom. And all of a sudden, you begin to get tame. And you begin to get casual. And you begin to think you could tame the lion. And what they do is they put these lions in cages. And then when they're ready to use the lion to perform for people, they bring it out of the cage and they let it put on a show and then they go and put it back in the cage but the problem is when you get casual with it it turns on you and you're so comfortable with it that you think you and it are still friends see we have made a church that has locked up the line of the tribe of Judah that thinks that we could tame Jesus thinks we could tame down the gospel and we don't realize that what happens when the Lord turns on his people vengeance is mine says the Lord. How many times in the Bible did we see judgments break out on the people? Yet we now live in a place where we everything's fine. Want to go drink? No worries. No judgment. Where's, when are we going to get back to the fear of the Lord? Where they said when Evan Roberts preached, they felt like Jonathan Edwards preached, they felt like they were falling into hell. There was such a fear of the Lord. And now we come in and we are so casual with God. We are so casual with our sin. It is no big deal to compromise. Sin is not serious anymore. And it's not just the lion tamers that deal with this. It's the snake charmers. Have you seen these guys? They charm the snake. They sing songs to the snake. And then one day that snake bites them and kills them. This is what we've done with sin. We have gotten casual with sin. We thought that we could charm it and that we could tame it and we could allow it into our lives. But friends, sin still causes death. There is a real place that we can't preach out of existence that is called hell. And many believers, the Bible says, are going to go there because the lack of fruit. Because we say we're Christian, but we're not actually Christian. And I believe, and I'm going to say this man so serious today, that we are on the last call, that this is the final alarm for America, that God's giving us one last shot. I go on my phone and look at all my alarms. 
me show you this. All these alarms. Come on, how many of you are dysfunctional like me and you have a thousand alarms in your phone? And I set my alarm, 705, 710, 715, 720. And I know that I'm, it's going to take me four or five alarms before I finally wake up. I don't know why they keep having him speak. He speaks the same thing. You got to understand that. You could press news on the first alarm. You could press news on the second alarm. But when that last alarm goes off, if you don't wake up during the last alarm, you are going to sleep through your appointment. And we are living in the last alarm of the church. God has sent us and how merciful and graceful he is. For 2,000 years, he has sent us revival after revival and you've had alarm after alarm. And the question this morning is this, how much longer am I going to hit snooze on the presence of God? How much longer am I going to hit snooze on my calling? What does it take for the church to wake up out of their slumber, to to wake up out of their going through the motions and say, God, we really need to begin to shift the priorities in our life, the time we spend in your word, the time we spend in prayer. This is no joke. This is no game. We have made no room for God in the American church. When he came to the earth, the Bible says when they got to the inn, there was no room for him to be born. And we are living in in the same type of atmosphere where God wants to birth something and there is no room. There's no room in our marriages. There's no, oh, I wish someone would help me today. I know it's a morning session, but you got to wake yourself up. There's no room in our finances. And God goes, you want me to move? Where? Monday, you have your schedule. Tuesday, and the reality is this, we don't live a spiritual life because we don't need a spiritual life. There, what have you done this last week that's spiritual? Nothing. We didn't pray for anybody, so why would God show up? We didn't do anything supernatural. We're living natural lives, wondering why we're not compatible and we don't look like a supernatural God. You will never look like someone you don't hang around. And when we're not spending time in his presence, we will not become like him. And until we become like him, this world continues down, sliding down into the depths of hell while the church has another meeting where we're all going to sing to each other. We're going to prophesy a fortune cookie word to each other, tell each other how God wants to do all these amazing things that no one's going to come out of their sin. Nobody's going to come out of their normalcy. And so we all come together and we've turned the army of God into a nursery. Bunch of grown men walking around like this. Feeding the church pacifier sermons. Sour patch kid sermons and potato chip prophets is what we're having in this hour. And we're giving you a pacifier. Do you know what a pacifier does? Go look up the definition. It's to tide you over. There's no nutrition, but it's to make you feel like you're being fed. It's just to soothe you when you're crying. And so we have pacifier preachers that are not giving us the milk or anything of nutrients. We just keep putting a pacifier in your mouth every week so that you stop crying about all your issues. Oh, just give them another pacifier. Pastor, will you change my diaper? Pastor, and then we leave our church because we're not being fed. I just had to leave my church, wasn't getting fed there. I'm thinking, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-year-old, and both of them can feed themselves. Grow up. Yeah. It's time for some of you grown men to take your diaper off. Yeah. 
and say, I'm tired of having, but what about Jesus? He said, Peter, feed my sheep. you got to understand the church was barely being born. He said, Peter, feed them because they're babies. But when you grow up, you don't need someone. How many know if the pastors take us to lunch and Nino starts feeding me, I probably won't get invited back. I'm a 27-year-old with a third kid on the way. I don't need anyone to feed myself, feed me. I got my own Bible. I got my own prayer life. I know the word. I know how to fast. We need a church that is not dependent on someone to come goo goo gaga preach to them and say it's time to birth something. It's time to do something. There's something God wants to impregnate you with. You need to stop walking around and stop acting pregnant and start being pregnant. You know the biggest mistake you can make in this life? You want to see the wrath of God? Go up to a woman who's not pregnant and say, how far along are you? I've done it. When I was younger, I was at a place, and I went, and I, I promise you, I felt the wrath of God talking about it. I've, I've gone to people, how far? I'm not pregnant. And I'm thinking, there's no, there's no way to go back from that. It wasn't that she was pregnant. It was that she was just overeating. Looked pregnant, just like the church. Overeating week after week, hearing messages, but never exercising their faith. Walking around acting pregnant, having all the symptoms. And then you got guys in our ministry, we have pregnant people all around because we're all 20, we're all getting married and having kids. And you got grown men in there that are like, oh man, I feel sick. I'm, they call it, I guess, sympathy sickness. It's where you're not even pregnant, your wife's pregnant, but you get her symptoms. And we got a bunch of babies in the church going, oh, I think I'm pregnant. Oh, I feel pregnant. You're not pregnant. There's somebody else that might be, but you got to stop pretending to be something you're not. See, when you're pregnant, things begin to change in the body, things begin to shift. When you're pregnant, I need some ladies right there to help me testify. Maybe just stand your feet and say, that preacher knows we, his wife must be. Yes, my wife is pregnant. See, when you're pregnant, you can't sleep at night. There's something that keeps you up. There's something making you uncomfortable. See, when you're pregnant with a vision from God, there's something keeping you up. Let me ask you a simple question. Is your Instagram keeping you up at night, or is the destiny and the vision that God has for you keeping you up? It's not just that you're up at night. It's that you begin to hurt in places that you've never hurt before. You begin to go out and see drug addicts. And there's a brokenness. There's a pain. When you see those orphans, you go, I can't just go on business as usual. We need some people in the house of God that would hurt over brokenness, that would hurt over people that are lost. We, for us to walk by the lost and not be moved, there's an issue. Another thing that happens, you begin to crave crazy stuff. The way we found out we are, we are having our first kid was not a pregnancy test. It was 10 o'clock in the morning, which to me, if you're an evangelist, is 4 o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know there was a 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. until I started traveling and preaching. I was thinking, who even gets up before 10 o'clock? I'm telling you, if I had it my way, I'd sleep until 2 p.m. I'm a night watch type of guy. And my wife woke me up at 10 in the morning. We had been trying to have a kid for a year. The doctor told us there's no way. It's impossible. And she said, oh, I need to go to the Mexican restaurant. I'm thinking, honey, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Mexicans don't get up till 1 p.m. There's no way a Mexican. She goes, you don't understand. She's crying. My wife is crying with tears. She goes, you don't understand. 
I'm, I just need some steak nachos with nacho cheese. I'm going, honey, what are you even talking about? Are you dreaming the devil is a liar? It's 10 o'clock in the morning, and please go get me them. I can't go back to sleep. She's bawling. I had to get out of bed and go to a talking at 10 in the morning. Do you know what that does to a man when you got to go get steak nachos for your wife at 10 in the morning? I go, what's wrong with you? She goes, I don't know. See, her cravings begin to shift. Her appetite begin to change. We didn't know that she was pregnant. There was something growing on the inside of her that goes, I have to shift my appetite. I have to shift my desires. Here's the problem with the church. You're only supposed to be pregnant for nine months. Some of you for seven years have been pregnant. And I'm going, how far along have you? Well, I don't know. It's been seven years and I haven't birthed anything. How far? That's my question. How far along are you with your prayer? How far along are you? Because some of you, we're going to have to induce labor today. Because you're like way, you're overdue. And that baby's like 40 pounds. They go, I don't know why I'm just all this weight. It's because you got a seven-year-old that you haven't given birth to. And God's going, I'm trying to get that vision out of you. I'm trying to get that destiny out of you. I'm trying to raise up end-time prophets that are not going to be shallow Christians. That's why God would raise up in Ezekiel. That's the scariest thing is when God raises up prophets. The prophetic anointing. We want. Pro I have all these. Oh, how do I be nice? I'm trying so hard to be nice so I get invited back. We have all these prophetic people Eddie, that are pathetic, and they're like, we're having another prophetic conference. I'm like, no, you're not. All you're gonna do is dance around how we could still live in sin because of grace. That's not prophecy. The prophetic word, like Billy said. Billy goes, when I preach, people think, oh yeah, he's gonna serve us ice cream. He goes, no, it's a nuclear warhead that's getting ready to drop on the church. The prophetic word is not a tickle me Elmo. Jesus wants to give you a better life when you turn 25 message. He goes, it's a bomb being dropped. When a prophet would come into the city, they would get on their face and they were afraid because they knew this thing about the prophets, that when God couldn't get their attention by a hurricane, when God couldn't get their attention by a natural disaster, when God would speak directly, the Bible says, to his people, and they wouldn't listen, God says, I only have one last option. I only have one last choice, and that's to raise up, give me five Pentecostal minutes, that's to raise up a prophet. The prophet is like the Jedi of the Bible. It's God's last answer. His elite called. It's the Navy SEALs of the kingdom. But understand that the higher you get in military, the more harsh the regimens are because they know how serious the battle is. There's no drill sergeant in the army that's nice. I was watching a war documentary and this guy broke his leg during a drill and this drill sergeant made him march 25 miles 25 miles with all his gear with a broken leg. And at the end of the documentary, the guy was crying. They said, why were you so hard on that guy? He said, because here's what I understand. There's a real war they're getting ready to go out and face, and I got to prepare them for the war. And if I'm nice to them, they won't be prepared for the battle. See, we want nice preachers, but nice preachers don't prepare people for war. They prepare people for party. And we have a church partying like the children of Israel in the camp dancing around the idol. And uh, Joshua said, oh, it sounds like they're having a party. And Mo it sounds like they're at war. And Moses said, they're not 
not at war. They're having a party. See, we have a church that thinks we're at war, but we're really dancing around golden calves. And God goes, I got to raise up the prophetic voice to speak a sharp word, to really just shift the people back where I want them. We need a jolt back. We need a wake-up call so that we can get back to the place. God comes to Ezekiel, goes, Ezekiel. My people, they've left my call. They've left the temple. Nobody cares. The presence of God is no longer in the temple. And he brings Ezekiel into a vision. When God gives people a vision in this hour, if the vision is not in line with what God is saying, it is not a vision from God. There are too many false prophets and false preachers in this day that the Bible says are declaring peace during a time of war. God is raising up these voices to preach and to bring the church back. It is the grace of God that calls us back to repentance. It is the grace of God. It's the mercy of God that you didn't die when you should have died. He didn't save you so you could play religion. He didn't save you so you could play church. He spared you for this hour. He goes, Ezekiel, I see the temple and there's a river, five minutes, flowing out of the temple. Notice that the river wasn't coming into the temple. It was coming out of the temple. He goes, I'm tired of my church praying for the river to come. I want the river to go. Jesus prayed. He says, if you thirst, I'll fill you with rivers of living water and out of your belly they'll flow. They don't flow inward. They flow outward. See, revival's not for us just to fall over. It's because God is raising up a river that's getting ready to flow through Atlanta, a river of breakthrough, a river of healing, a river of deliverance, a river of fire, and he goes, get it out of the church. Why is it every meeting we have is come into our church, come to our, so he goes, there's a river, and it didn't just flow out, the Bible says it flew right through and right by the altar. This is where the river flows. I don't know why I don't have breakthrough, because you stay in your chair every week. I'm not doing a big old blown-out altar call. We're getting back in here for two hours. We've been laying out, flying, falling out. I've prayed for some of you. You came back for seconds, five, six, seven times. I've prophesied over some of you so many times, I don't even know what to say anymore. So don't come up here and go, oh, man of God, lining up. Friend, we need to get to a place where we realize the breakthrough's not in me. The breakthrough's in the river of God. See, but if I'm not spending time, it goes all the way back to the beginning of my message. I was mad going, God, they literally in this church, they built chairs, Billy, all the way up to the, up to the stage. So they have the same type of stage, but they have chairs bolted in the ground all the way up to the stage. Brand new, big old church. Everyone knows about it. And I was going, what? I was mad going, God, why is there no altar? What? And God goes, we don't even need an altar in the church anymore. I'm thinking, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's the devil. I'm going, what do you mean we don't need an altar? He goes, why would we have an altar when no one's bringing anything to die? Why, do that, why does that church need an altar? They're not calling anyone to death. The altar is not this nice place where we put oil on you and then send you off to KFC. The altar is a place where things begin to die. The altar is a place where you go, I need this depression to die. I need this drug addiction to die. I need this bad attitude to die. I need this complacent attitude to die. I need my issues to die. So I'm going to bring them, but if I'm not bringing an offering, and there's some of us, we come, we bring a lame offering. And God goes, I don't even want your leftovers. You bring your leftovers home to your kids. They don't want to eat them. Why would God? Leftover time on Sunday. Leftover, we get home from work. It's midnight. Oh, I forgot to pray today. Oh, God, I pray you don't let anyone break into my house. Amen. And you want to change the world? I'm just going, 
How is it every night you lock every door in your house and you're so careful no one breaks in, yet the spiritual doors of your house are wide open for the devil all day long? Leaving doors open, letting demons come in and out. Let me give you a free revelation because I'm not going to do a long altar call. Let me just give you this one for free. The Bible says when a demon goes out, it goes and finds seven more demons more wicked and comes back. Do you know what I begin to preach? Oh, when you cast, it didn't say cast out. It says when a demon goes out. How did the demon go out? Because you've left open doors and you've given the devil access in and out of your life. And he freely comes and he freely goes. And then God goes, I want to come in and out of your life. And you go, God, you could come in once an hour on Sunday morning and God goes I don't want I don't want partial access I want backstage access I want full access into every area into every room he goes Ezekiel my people act like I don't see what's happening at one point God got Ezekiel by the hair and began to show him he goes look at them in the temple they're having sex they're drinking they're partying and they think I don't see do you really think God can't see what you're looking at at two o'clock in the morning my wife came to me, and my wife, praise God, is amazing. And she said, honey, she asked me this. This is transparent. She said, if you ever start struggling with porn, would you tell me? I said, honey, with all due respect, I'm not afraid of you. She said, what do you mean you're not afraid of me? I said, me being afraid of you finding out is not what keeps me out of doing it. I have a fear of the Lord. I go, I'm afraid of God finding it. I'm afraid of a God that hears all, that knows all. And if you young people think you can hide from the almighty Yahweh, 4,800 stars are created in the known galaxy every second. And you think you can hide from God? Today is the day. See, he showed Ezekiel this image of the, the river flowing through the altar. And he goes, Ezekiel, and then my people, he goes, partial. They went in ankle deep. See, this was a picture where we're at in the church. We have a bunch of ankle-deep believers, a bunch of grown men dancing around in the kiddie pool of Christianity, ankle-deep. Why would you even go ankle-deep? So that when someone comes and tries to really minister to you, you say, oh, I already know. I've been in the water before. I felt what it feels like. Go out to, I'll say California, it's 10 times worse than Georgia. Go out to the store, I dare you, and go ask anyone in the store, can I pray for you? You know what they're gonna say? Oh, I pray. I go to church. I don't need you to pray for me. They don't, all they're saying is, I go once a year and I'm ankle deep. I just, I've touched the water, but I don't want anything more than ankle. See, there's a lot of ankle deep Christians, even in this room, that are just splashing around. See, when you're ankle deep, there's nothing preventing you from going in and out of the river. There's nothing preventing you from doing whatever you want. He goes, Ezekiel, the ankle deep. He goes, then there's the next dimension. There's the knee deep. It's where you start coming to prayer a little bit. You start coming to new believer service once in a while, you start being apart, but you're only knee deep. You could still move how you want to move. You could still go where you want to go. You still watch whatever you want to watch. You still drink what you want to drink. You still listen to. There's no real conviction. And then he goes, then there's the third dimension. And this is where most of us today are at. He goes, they were waist deep. They were half in and they were half out. It gets a little bit harder. You start feeling a little conviction. You start feeling a little bit of a struggle, but you're still just half in. And when you're around your Christian friends, you're Christian. Praise God. You walk in here all fake because that's what we teach you to be. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Praise God. You're not doing great. Kids falling apart. 
marriage falling apart, family falling apart, and you could put the mask on and be a hypocrite and, and, and fool everybody else, but God goes, I see past the makeup. I see past the mask. I see past the facade. You're just halfway in and halfway out, and here's the scary reality. If you don't get anything, get this. As I close in this last 60 seconds, if I could just get someone on the keys, that's all I need. Here's the scariest part about it. Halfway in people, they go to hell. If you are halfway in, you are not saved. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. If you are not all the way in. See, then he takes Ezekiel in the fourth dimension. He goes, Ezekiel, I'm going to bring you in so deep where you can't even move how you want to move. See, there's a place you get in God where you go, I only go where the river goes. I can't go unless the river takes me. See, I believe the river has taken us somewhere. And at 3 o'clock, we're going to hear another prophetic word of where the river is flowing. But it takes a people. Everyone stand to their feet this morning. Takes a people. I preached way longer than I wanted to. Praise God. My flight's longer than I preached, so it's all good. That say, you know what? I'm tired of being ankle deep. There's some of you, you think you're half in. You're not half in. You're ankle deep. You think, we always think we're deeper than we are. But let me go back on last week, chronological time. How much time did I spend on my phone? 40 hours, 20 hours. They say average four hours a day. It's, it's probably more than that. And then I look at my spiritual life and go, I don't even have one. I'm ankle, I'm, I'm ankle deep. If I'm, and some of you, you're not even in the river. You just watch other people in the river. And you come up to the edge of the river every week and you watch everybody else get their breakthrough. Everybody else. And you know what you tell yourself? One day God's going to do in me what he did in him. No, he's not. If you don't begin to put an effort into your spiritual life, God is not going to drop a gold brick, I promise. And if he does, send it over, we'll sell it and send the money to the orphanage. Be like, oh, more. And listen, I love the gold cloud, the gold dust. I'm just saying if a gold cloud shows up, I'm bottling it up, selling it, and sending the money to missions. I'm not interested in signs, wonders. If they're, I, I am interested in signs and wonders. I don't want to say that. Praise God. I hope you didn't hear that. I'm not interested in signs and wonders that don't produce change. I want to see breakthrough, and it's a decision every one of you are going to have to make this morning. You don't need someone to lay. And I'm going to say, if you want, you can come up and find a place. But we're not doing a whole, I need someone to prophesy over me. I need someone. We'll do, maybe we'll do that three. I don't know what God has on the menu. But we did do that the last three services. You don't need that. You know what you need to do? You need to begin to look at your life and say, how deep, this is the question today, how deep am I really? How deep am I in this church? How deep in a, am I in worship? How far along? Have I been caring and thinking I'm pregnant when I'm really just overfed and I don't exercise? Walking around acting like I'm pregnant, acting like I'm carrying vision. But God is saying to you, I want to burst something so, so deep in you. I want you so deep in the river that when I say you're going to go move to the Philippines, you don't even have a choice. If that's where the river's taking me, I'm going to quit everything else. See, when you get in the river, everything else gets pushed downstream. Well, I still hang out with old friends. You're not in the river. Let me talk to some of you young people. When you're in the river, your old friends, you go right past them. They stay on land, and you get taken in the river. And it's not that I lost all my friends when I got saved. Half of them got saved, but the other half that didn't, I lost all of them. People say, should I just tell? You don't have to tell them nothing. You go one way, and they're going another way. You don't have to call them up after this conference and say, oh, I just pastor said I couldn't hang out with you. When you get in the river, it takes you places other people don't want to go. You're going to lose some of your lukewarm friends if you really get in the river this morning. 
Because they're going to tell you, oh, that's just too much, brother. It might be for you because you're ankle deep, but I'm going all the way in. I'm not playing religion. I'm not playing church. Let's make a decision today to say, God, I'm going all the way. Come on. This is the altar call. When are we going to pray? This is it. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Father, we're asking you today, Lord. God, this is not hype, yelling, shouting. God, it's your presence and passion. God, I pray that you would bring us into a place, a deep place. He said, Peter, you're trying to catch fish. You need to go deeper. Some of you wonder why you're not catching or seeing any results. God goes, you're not deep enough. The fish aren't in the shallow end of Christianity. Shallow Christianity. Have it your way, Burger King, McDonald's. God goes, right now, some of you are going all the way in. Some of you are going deep. It's been three days at this conference, and it's time for you to make a decision right now before our last session, going, God, I need to be ready. I need to be all the way, and I need to be prepared. You can just play, and we're just going to let it go. Come on, just pray for yourself. Just evaluate your life. Just think about your life. What do I need to change? What do I need to give up? Where, what do I need to go? Who do I need to break up with? What, what account do I need to cancel? We're going to hit Netflix today. I'm telling you, Netflix is going to call and say, man, there was a whole bunch of people deactivating their accounts in Atlanta. What's going on? Revival's going on. Revival's going on. I don't need four hours a day on YouTube when I have the presence of God. True pleasure, as Corey Russell would say, we need to get out of the stupid room of living our lives, letting our brain be babysat by entertainment and culture. God, deliver us today, we pray, Lord.